Hey everyone, I just wanted to give you a quick trigger warning at the top of this episode. We do discuss a rape scene that happens in the movie A History of Violence. So if that's something you would rather not listen to, you're going to want to go ahead and skip from about the 23 minute mark to the 28 minute mark. Great. Mm-hmm. Ready to go? Oh my god, I'm so ready. Okay. Okay. Beep boop up. Hello! Hi! How's it going? Great. Aw, immediately the dog makes noise. It's okay. It's okay. Bruh. I'm Liza Poor. I'm Mike Palasic. Every week, we randomly pick two movies from our stupidly large DVD collection, watch them, and discuss. When it's all over, we can only keep one. Two discs enter. One disc leaves. This is... DVD Deathmatch. Hi. How's it going? Good. How Great. are you? I'm, I'm pretty good. All right. We're good, here. Good talk. We're ready. <laughs> We're, We're ready gonna, to go. Yeah. We're going to talk about some movies. We are. That's what, what we do. we do here. Every if you're week. New, we're just going to keep talking over each other this whole podcast. It's going to be not great. After you. <laughs> I was joking because we were both talking at the same time. I know. We were. All right. How's your day going? Uh, pretty good. I'm trying to think of what I did today. We watched a movie for the podcast. We watched one of the movies. Um, this is I got nothing. You're on a little a little hiatus. Yeah, I'm on a little hiatus. I'm gonna get some uh, home improvement projects done. Mm-hmm. Gonna get some writing done. Mm-hmm. Gonna father my children. Not like well, father new children. Yeah. Gonna be a father to my current children. Well, you're always a father. Like you don't have to be on hiatus to be a father to your children. Gonna be a better father to my children. Okay. <laughs> Weird. All right. Great. <laughs> How was your day? Uh, it was fine. Not much to report. Not much to report. You're TikTok famous. Oh, that's right. I am TikTok TikTok famous now. No, uh, in case there's anyone listening who doesn't already know this, I <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, okay. I posted a TikTok. Uh, I love the TikTok. It's very fun and very dumb. I mostly post like um, viral dances or uh, singing things, occasional little, I mean, comedy, I guess, things, but, um, and, you know, I get like 300-ish views and a couple comments and 20 to 40 likes, and it's all lovely. Um, and yesterday, was it yesterday that I posted it? yesterday, yeah. Uh, yesterday I posted one, just me reacting to, someone had posted a tattoo that they had done on someone, and it was a sticker of Princess Peach tattooed on someone's arm. And uh, the the like depth perception work on it is incredible, and the corner of the sticker is like wrinkled, and it it's amazing. Like the the, right. the craft of it is insane. Right. And the my image. Oh, sorry, I'm clarifying for myself. Yeah. The image they've had tattooed on themselves is a image of a sticker that is wrinkled. So it's like when you see a picture of, or when you like see a picture of a flag that's already waving yeah, or something. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Sorry. Um, no, it's okay. And, uh, you know, 
again, craftsmanship is, is insane. The talent is insane. And my first thought was, can you imagine having a wrinkled sticker tattooed on your arm forever? That would drive me insane. <laughs> um, and I basically just said that. And apparently a lot of people agree with me uh, because today, uh, about 24 hours later, maybe a little bit more than 24 hours later, it has 250,000 views, which is a lot of views. A lot of people. A lot of people have seen with you, my dumb that face. Is weird. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so that's very, very funny and very dumb. And one of the things that I love about TikTok, honestly. So great. There you go. Great. Yay. Y'all guess what? What? <laughs> we watched two movies this week. Cool. That's someone outside. <laughs> yeah. That's the voice of someone outside. Listening to us. Listening to the podcast live. We yeah. do a live stream for that person. <laughs> and they are listening to it and they're they they comment on the podcast That's occasionally. Not true. Although people do do <laughs> it's, not. it's not. People do do live stream of their podcast recording. Is that something we should do? I don't think so yet. I don't think so yet either. I don't think our I don't know what that would get us. I don't know either. Let us know. Weigh in if you think we should do some sort of uh, live component of this. Do you want to see our faces? We could do a live show at a theater uh-huh. and have <laughs> four people attend. If that. Um, Half of them couldn't get a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Two movies this week. We watched A History of Violence from 2005 and Little Shop of Horrors from 1986, baby! Again, a real thematic connection here. Yeah! Two mild-mannered, nice guys who confront both monsters without, and I'll say it, monsters within. Uh, I mean, (laughs) monsters all around. These monsters aren't just without. They're also within. Within. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Big time monsters within. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, they, watching when we were watching Little Shop uh, today, I was like, oh, wow, we really like... I did not occur to me that these movies had anything in common. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, oh, no, they're both about, like, so-called nice guys and the... And the... the, the having to confront violence and horror. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> um, let's start with A History of Violence. Let's. From 2005, directed by David Cronenberg, the god. The crone. This is our, the crone. Crony B. Crony B, he goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, our first David Cronenberg. Yeah. Sorry, maybe you could cut out that 30-second pause. And just <laughs> um, our first date of Cronenberg, probably not our last. We have a bunch, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Uh, IMDb summary. A mild-mannered man becomes a local hero through an act of violence, which sets off repercussions that will shake his family to its very core. True. That's true. Fine. That is a fine IMDb description. Mm-hmm. That is like exactly... Like, that's probably the best one we've seen so far. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. usually nonsense. Yeah, but that one's pretty good. Pretty spot on. So, History of Violence. You want to go? Oh, no. I was just going to say, I remember seeing this. We must have seen it in the theater. Yes. Um, Probably when we, like, lived in L.A., I think. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, 
And I remember liking it. Oh. Which is very, which watching it a second time now feels a little strange to me. Not because I didn't like it. Right. But because it's, it's not, it does not strike me as something that I would be like, yeah, I liked that. Like, I remember being like, I really liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was watching it. I was like, this is fine. I don't necessarily object to this, but I would not, it would not pop up on a list for me. Well, it's a strange movie. Yeah. Because it's kind of, it's based on a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Viggo Mortensen stars as Tom Stahl. Yes. Boho Jesse Eisenberg stars as his son. Yes. Ashton Holmes. Sorry, Ashton Holmes. Ashton Holmes. Sorry. Sorry to you. <laughs> you know, you're listening. But that's the same. Yeah. That's the same mathematic equation in the face. Yes. Him and but Jesse the, Eisenberg. But the variables are way off. Yes. Um, <laughs> the uh, Maria Bello, who mm-hmm. I like a lot, stars as, stars as his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He's a he's a diner owner in Indiana, mm-hmm. small town, idyllic life. One day, some crazy dudes show up, violent criminals mm-hmm. show up at his diner. Uh, try they're gonna rob him, and they're just gonna like kill everybody there. And yeah. he jumps over the counter, blows them away. Horrific act of violence. Very like sleeper agent knows how to use a gun. Right. Just two kill shots. Exactly. Just does it. Yeah. And then that brings him national attention. And through that, people start showing up in town, Ed Harris specifically, Mm -hmm. um, from his past and saying like, you're not Tom Stahl. You're this other guy from Philadelphia. Joey. Joey. Um... And so that's, you were just saying that it's like sleeper agent, whatever. And it is a very like John Wick Mm -hmm. taken born identity style setup, Mm -hmm. but not made in that way at all. Yeah. Not in that style at all. It's not like a fun action movie. It's like, uh, it's like uh, horrifying (laughs) kind of glimpse. There's really like awfulness. But I mean, before, before we get to this act of violence. I yeah. mean, well, first of all, it starts with the two uh, violent folks who show up at the diner and he kills. It starts with them and they straight up kill a child, <laughs> shoot a child. Yep. And it's awful. And it's like, okay, here's where we are. And then we go to Indiana and we see that he has basically got this like perfect, adorable little family. Right. right. Um, and there's this sex scene where oh yeah Maria Bello gets a cheerleading uniform. She's like, we never got to like be kids, kids yeah. and whatever. And I was like, I feel like a lot of people. That's not like a thing that like a lot of people have that they were, were able able to have together? sex. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's like a little weird. But sh- that scene though uh-huh. is like it's it's he Viggo Mortensen does such a good job. So this is before anything goes wrong in their lives. That's yeah. Just their nice life. Yeah. And it's like a married couple having sex, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Viggo Mortensen does such a good job of like waiting for her, like a like a teenager almost. Like he's like <laughs> he, she's getting changed in the bathroom, and he's like, oh, messing with the light, and like he just looks like an excited little boy. Yeah, he like opens um, his shirt a little bit. Right. Yeah. Not like little boy. I don't mean that's weird. Now that's weird. that's weird. I mean an excited teenager who's gonna have sex. Yeah. And also <laughs> that scene, they like it's like I wrote down like. This is affectionate, adorable 69ing. Because that's what they're doing <laughs> by the end of the scene. They're 69ing. That, yeah. 
the verb. The verb. And, um, <laughs> and, but it's like, lovely. It's lovely 69ing. It's very funny to me that you say that because what I wrote for that scene was, is this the cringiest sex scene I've ever seen in my life? Well, married, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say it. Married people having sex, it's cringe, y'all. <laughs> oh no, my God. It's no, so cringe. No. I mean, and this is the thing is that it does, it's, it, I think. It's not chuggy. Is that, did I say it right? Oh God. I don't even know, but you don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think what it is for me, the reason it felt cringy was because it's like, it wasn't hot. I agree. But it also wasn't quite like real enough to be like, okay, this isn't hot, but it's like a real sex scene. And it's not anyone's fault. It's fully me. Like I'm fully taking responsibility for this. I think, I think what you're getting at is that this movie does not, none of it feels real. Like the performances are very arch. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of scenes that just, feel dubbed even if they're not you know what i mean like yeah that's that's like there's like levels of artifice yeah happening yeah um it doesn't i don't think it's you that it feels like weird okay and the whole movie feels weird and the way people talk to each other feels weird and still also the music in that scene is really like yeah it's like i wrote lord of the rings floaty strings that's the only way to describe the music for this Sex scene. Listen, I want my sex scenes to be hot, okay? Okay, well, there's another one coming up that's also not hot. Not, yeah, in another way. Um, There's also this really lovely uh, establishing of the son's character. What, did you have something to say about I had something else to say about how weird that uh, the whole movie feels. Okay. Because just to get, I don't know, we can get get off, we can get off that. But it feels arch and weird and, like, people are talking to each other weird. And I wrote down, this feels Canadian. (laughs) <laughs> and it does feel Canadian. And David Cronenberg, famously Canadian. Really? And this was shot in Canada. In Canada? In Canada. It's like a weird, a weird, like otherworldly feeling to it where people are talking in a way that doesn't feel quite, it feels like learned AI or something like that. Um, this is hugely insulting to Canada I and I don't mean it to be. I love, I like this movie a lot. Yeah. Just the cards on the table. Yeah, yeah. So don't get mad at me. Canada. Don't get mad at him, Canada. Um, There's also this really lovely pre-violence scene uh, and an establishing of the son character. Jack? Is his name Jack? I think so. Um, Anyway, uh, so where like he, they're in gym class playing baseball and he like, this, this cocky cock comes up and thinks he's hit a home run and he catches it and then he's big mad because he caught it, even though it was a because Jack fucking, caught it, yeah, a fucking gym class baseball right. game. Who cares? No, literally, no one cares. Um, and then he like confronts him in the locker room, and Jack uses his words to get out of the confrontation. Right. Um, and it's lovely to see, and you're kind of like, oh, are they gonna fight? Is he about to get beat up? Like, right. oh god. Um, and it's just like a really nice establishing of who this character is. Yeah. And then, cause then a little while later you also see him smoking pot with his friend. So it's like, okay, he's an outcast, but he's not necessarily like a perfect goody goody, but he does like love his sister and he's polite to his parents. And it's yeah. just like, it's a very, um, like not a character. I think you see a lot. 
Yeah, and that actor's does, doing a really does great a really good job. job. I th- I think the the hair and makeup team doesn't do him any favors. <laughs> like his hair looks strange the entire movie. And well, two thousand five. Two thousand five, and yeah. like they really rose up his cheeks in some of the scenes. I mean, he might just be flushed. Like Maybe. he might just have you know. Maybe. Um, but he, that actor does a great job. Yeah, he does a really great job. And um, then the violence happens. Yeah. So it has that Cronenbergian thing. Because mm-hmm. Cr- David Cronenberg, The Fly, Videodrome, all these scanners, all these great movies. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is like body horror. Is like is taking the human body and doing disgusting things with it. <laughs> and that's and finding the horror in that. And, yeah. and so the movie doesn't have... A lot of that, but it does have it. Yeah, it's not a horror film, but like when he shoots those two criminals right. in the diner, I wrote, face me, Jesus Christ. Because yes. he shoots the one guy through the skull on the floor, and it's just like steaming, flapping skin. It is gross. Right. It's gross. It's so, that's so clear. That's, it's, the, it's what differentiates this from a John Wick or something, mm-hmm. or a Taken, where the guy would just blow a bunch of guys away. And then you'd never see them again. And in this movie, and I think this is like the whole Cronenberg project or whatever, mm-hmm. is you feel every every time there's a bullet fired, yeah, you live with the repercussions of that yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Well, and then on the DVD, to talk about the DVD for a second, yeah. there's a very cool feature where um, there was, it's a deleted scene, which right. they show you. Right. Um, and it's kind of like a dream sequence where he shoots Ed Harris with a shotgun. Right. Um, and then there's a t- mini documentary about making that scene and why it's not in the movie. And it's it's very cool. Yeah, it is and really cool. what's very cool about it is that you get to see all of the behind the scenes of, because so Viggo Mortensen blows a hole in Ed Harris's chest. Um, and just seeing how that comes about. And it's just very cool to, to watch so them cool. do it. And, and it's... Uh, the people working on it are clearly very excited about it yeah. and very good at what they do. And it's like I, a craftsman aspect yeah, of it. I love that. I love watching people who are good at what they do and excited about what they do plan out all of the little details, like talking about having the the chest cavity like smoking, and we're gonna use this one because it gives a really right. good look on camera and it's realistic and and it's just like and watching them like set up the blood and the it's very cool. It's very very cool. It is so cool, and it's also. It's, it's, I mean, so many DVDs just dump deleted scenes onto there and they're like, mm-hmm. here, you do figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. Like half edited or, right. yeah. Exactly. And we'll talk about this with the Little Shop of Horrors director's cut too. <laughs> but this one, they put that one deleted scene on. Yeah. And they, they make sure to like show you exactly where it goes in the movie with these like uh, black and white uh, Beginning book, and bookends. Yeah. And then that exactly what you're saying. There's like a 10 minute documentary about the one scene. And it also talks to people about like, they, they by the time they made the documentary, they knew it wasn't in the movie. Right. So they're like, like the guys are like, yeah, we get it. I mean, we get it. That yeah. It's not in there. Yeah. Totally. You know, it, and, and sometimes you like make things and even if it doesn't wind up in the movie, it helps you figure out what should be in the movie and like mm-hmm. all this stuff. It's just like a cool, it's a very cool feature. I really yeah. liked watching it. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, anyway, so we talked about how it feels Canadian. Maria mm-hmm. Bello does a great job. Viggo Mortensen does a great job. Mm-hmm. It's goofy. 
Um, <laughs> I, I have a note that says, a history of violence sponsored by Honey Bunches of Oats. There are several shots <laughs> of this family eating Honey Bunches of Oats. They love a bunch. <laughs> and I think that, sorry, off the violence thing we were talking about, um, there's like a very corny, that Canadian feel that I'm talking about, which, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't mean as an insult, um, is a very corny, like, 1950s kind of like... Oh shucks feel to it. Yeah. And then when that's put against the ultra violence, mm-hmm. it's even more of a crazy juxtaposition. I I wrote and okay, I have a note about that, about how it's really hitting you over the head with the juxtaposition of look at this perfect family in Indiana, but also he's got a dark side. And yeah. because the violence is so extreme, and then in you know, on the other end of it, the the nice family small town is so extreme yeah um and i i gotta say it does not work for me it's too uh, like i i don't it's almost as if it's not far enough yeah it's like it's it's like because i can see that someone said this is what we're gonna do Mm -hmm. and then they kind of like half-assed it and i was like if you're gonna do that (laughs) if you're gonna do it if you're gonna say like we're gonna make this look like this and feel like this and this look like this and have it be at odds with one another. I want it to be more intense than that. Right. I, I know what you mean. And you know? It, you know, this is so funny because this relates to the next movie. Yeah. Too. is like Absolutely. that corny 1950s feel yeah. juxtaposed with horrific violence. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of confusion about, and I remember this from seeing it the first time too, mm-hmm. for the first half of the movie and this might just be me. You tell me if it's me. Mm-hmm. I assumed that he was, that um, Tom, who's Viggo Mortensen, mm-hmm. was Jack, the son, was Jack's stepfather. Oh. Like, only because, so he's a guy who, like, showed up in this town. Right. Uh, you know, escaping, spoiler alert, it turns out he is the guy from Philly. Right. Which For is, a little while he denies it and says, I'm not, I don't know who you're talking about. Right. And it is actually like really well done. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like I, this is a big spoiler because like I remember when we saw it the first time for the first half of the movie, he, they really do keep you in suspense as to whether or not he is this guy or not. Yeah. But he is. And there's something about the way they like talk to each other, the way the, the ages. Yeah. And all this stuff where I'm like. Well, he would have he would have had to have this kid like not young, but just like, but, like in his twenties or yeah. or something. And so it, the timeline of the whole thing like confuses me. And I yeah. always assumed watching this that he was Jack's stepfather. Yeah, but I don't know that that's true. It's not true, right? I mean, well, it's never said anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with you that it, the timeline doesn't quite work. Right. Um, I don't know that I necessarily took it as far as to be like, oh, well, that must be his stepson. But I de- it's definitely something I clocked, you know what I yeah. mean? Where I was like, this this is weird. This is weird. So Ed Harris shows up in town, mm-hmm. is clearly like Ed Harris and this guy, Tom Stahl, Viggo Mortensen, who he knows as Joey Mancuso Some, yeah, something. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, from Philadelphia. They have a past. Ed Harris has like a glass eye. Yeah, a big scar over big scar. his one. I don't think it's glass eye. I think it's just his eye is like lighter and he's got a big okay. scar over half of his face. And this guy, Joey, gave it to him. So he's, he's, he's you know, there for revenge or whatever. And um, and 
so I'm just trying to like speed through it because then there's like more violence, more confrontations Mm -hmm. and it starts to like, Viggo Mortensen's past starts to like seep into the way he relates to his family. Yeah. And this is where we get to him and his son and also this sex scene that I think is like a memorable thing from the movie. Yeah. So this other sex scene, um, I mean, essentially, they're fighting because she is obviously angry. Like, I don't know who you are. I can't believe you're actually this this violent right. person. And he, so his explanation is that like, I went to the desert and I killed Joey and I am Tom. Like right. he he is he his position is I have done the work to not be this violent person anymore right. on purpose and I've put that all behind me. And she's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You killed a bunch of people and right. you just didn't tell me." Right. Um. And so they're fighting and she goes to leave and run up the stairs and he like chases after her and grabs her and she, well, she slaps him and then he grabs her neck, like turns into Joey essentially. Um, and then it's sexy time where they just like have sex on the stairs. It's awful. And it's supposed to be awful. It's not like the movie thinks it's okay. Right. Um, but. But hard to watch. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, like, to, I, I, I agree, I agree, I, I don't, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I agree with you that, like, that, I mean, I'll be honest, fully honest, like, it was not that hard to watch, like, for me, because mm-hmm. I'm not a woman, and mm-hmm. it's like, I'm more, uh, uh, what's the word inured, or, uh, just, you know, it was like, like, I, I was so... Surprised because I didn't remember it being that bad. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh no, this is bad. Yeah. This is like a bad one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not bad, like morally a bad thing to put in a movie, but just like, oh, I don't rem- I didn't remember that this was like as, you know, shitty and like morally complicated and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then and um but I agree with you that it's like it's all about it's all about like how awful this kind of like Joey stuff seeping into his life is. Yeah. And it's just an interesting Yeah, thing. and I and I guess, you know, back to my earlier comment about how if you're going to do the the opposites thing, I want to see it. I want to see it at the extremes. And this is the that's the extreme for the sex yeah. scene. You've got the one that's like bordering on corny. Right. And you've got this one. So adorable I adorable 69. Adorable 69ing. <laughs> uh and then rape on the stairs. Yeah. Um yeah, so I guess that that's maybe the one spot where the movie succeeds for me because um it is not good. Well, and and I think like it's hard. You you you're it's very hard because you're always like uh uh, the movie knows this is, like, uh, assault, right? You know right, what I mean? Right, You And you want, like, a flashing sign that says, like, we know this is bad and we right. are commenting on that and not, we think this is kind of hot. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? And exactly. you're never going to get that flashing sign. Yeah. I think in this one that they know. Yeah. But I don't know. Exactly. I think that I think that they do a better job than most in in pointing to, like, yeah, like there's a scene afterwards where it's a shot of her back and she's bruised and she's yes. crying and he's sleeping on the couch. Like exactly. it's not like everything's fine after that. But right. because yeah. we've seen scenes 
where it was like, I don't think they know that they just filmed a rape. Right. And that's, and I'm thinking of Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's like a, a sex scene in Game of Thrones where like, I think they were going for something weird and morally, co- I mean, I know they were. Right. It was incest. It was incest <laughs> and it was on, it was the two people committing incest on their dead father's casket, I think. Oh, God. Um, but it was so clear that they thought they were doing this kind yeah. of scene mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, a morally complicated, interesting sex scene. Yeah. And and then no consequences. And you're like, no, you that was, bro. No. Yeah, no. That was a rape. Yeah. It was a, it was a rape. Yikes. Um, so anyway, fun to talk about, fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, Definitely not. The other thing I want to talk about when we get into this kind of second half of, of Everything's Violent is this, this thing, I feel like it's becoming a trope, or I've seen it enough times. I, when does something become a trope? How many times do you have to see it? I don't know. Four. I, okay, great. I feel like I've seen it enough times that it's a trope. The petulant teen in the face of, like, world-ending shit, mm-hmm. I'm over it. Because there's a point where, like, the son is like, what do I call you now? Do I call you oh, yeah. dad? And it's like... There are mobsters trying to kill you. Can you shut the fuck up? Right. Like, are you kidding me? Like, it just, it makes me so mad. (laughs) No, I know. That's like, like, what are you going to do? Kill me? Right. And he like walks out and then the criminals scoop him up. Yeah. He scooped. He scooped. And then there's a whole thing where you have to trade him and then there's a fight and he has to shoot. It's It's awful. And if you weren't being a petulant teen... And I just like I don't I and I can't tell if that's just like it's doing its job or if, I don't like think... I just personally am like I hate this because I it's one of those things where I'm like that wouldn't happen yeah that's exactly <laughs> it I think they think they can get away with writing something like that because it's a teen right and uh, it remind like it's not it reminds me of like when my mom used to be like the, like your hormones are talking like you're you're ma- you're mad because it's you're of, of all these hormones and i'm like no i'm mad because i'm mad <laughs> wait maybe i'm just proving the point oh no no but it for me it's like i fought with my parents as a teen a lot if we but were you being were always right no but if we were being chased by murderers right. that would not be the time because right. i'm not it a not dumbass yes, like, exactly exactly uh, um there's also mm. You know, look, I've been I've I've been watching a lot of Philadelphia content lately. He really has, guys. So he started watching got, baseball. We got Mayor of Easttown. He's a I'm, hat guy now. I'm watching the Phillies. Repping the Phils. Fighting Phils. It's weird. Um, hey, if someone had told me there was a baseball player named D.D. Gregorius like ten years ago, <laughs> I would have I would have gotten on board way earlier. Um, but Philly D.A. I'm watching, mm-hmm. uh, which is great on PBS. Great show. Mm-hmm. Really amazing documentary about Larry Krasner. Anyway, um, and in this, in the last third of the movie, spoiler alert, he goes to Philadelphia he from does. Indiana to like go home and confront his brother. Yeah, who's played by William Hurt. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the accent talk to a minimum because mm-hmm. people are sick of hearing it. <laughs> they do the thing where it's like, oh, we're from Philadelphia. Like we don't do any research. We're just like doing tough guy voices. Yeah, like. A O A, and it's like there's no actual research. It's clearly not shot in Philadelphia. Right. That's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Um. So, 
But I will say William Hurt in that scene is pretty. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's pretty. William great. William Hurt is like so he goes. He confronts his brother, who's William Hurt, and there's just a very, very long. This is the part in the John Wick version of this mm-hmm. where it would be a ten minute sequence of him blowing dudes away. Yeah. In like a nightclub on his way to get to the brother. Yeah. And instead, it's a David Cronenberg movie, so they're just sitting across the desk talking to each other. Yeah. And then there's going to be like thirty seconds of ultra violence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. But it works for me. That I love William Hurt. I love like I think William Hurt um, is uh, is so fun in that scene and is having a lot of fun with like just chewing the scenery. Yeah. Um, Vigo's got bad boy hair. Yeah, Vigo's got bad boy hair. <laughs> your dad went to college with William Hurt. I know. He used to tell me that all the time because he knew I liked movies. He yeah. was like, he was like, you know, and then it was like. He, your dad was, your dad talked about how he like went to the movies a couple years later and saw him in a movie and was like, Hey, that's Billy Billy Hurt. Hurt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) People were like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, anyway, uh, that's, that's it. That's, that's my notes. I know. It's a weird one for me because like I said, I, upon a second viewing, I'm not quite sure what I was thinking (laughs) when I was like... (laughs) When I was I don't like, know what I was fucking I thinking. What I was thinking. No, but when I was like, oh, I really like this a lot. Um, but also, I, it's fine. It's fine. Like, I'm not mad at it. I, I, there's plenty of about it that I enjoy. And there's yeah. plenty about it that I'm like, okay, I see the like love here and the craftsmanship yeah. of making this kind of weird not horror film right it's weird movie. it's got a yeah. voice to it that i think yeah. it's not it's it's not like anything else i don't think yeah exactly and exactly I, I think it i uh, yeah yeah great all right uh shall we move on but first what's the connection william hurt the aforementioned billy hurt billy hurt and paul dooley who is uh Genius character actor. You'd know him if you saw him. Mm-hmm. And you'll know him because you saw him earlier who, today when we watched who Little Shop of Who was he in Little He Shop. played the guy on the roof in the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in a movie in 1997 called Loved together. Oh, great. I like this connection mm-hmm. because Paul Dooley is in the director's cut. He is not in the theatrical cut of oh. Little Shop of <laughs> And we watched the director's cut. We did. I'm that, so glad we did. That role in the... Theatrical cut is played by one James Belushi. Oh. Of According to Jim. Yes. Which we all know, we all love, we're all big According to Jim heads. Heads, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But I I just like the fact that it's like a connection specifically to the director's cut. I love that. So Alright, movie number two, Little Shop of Horrors. The director's cut from 1986, directed by Frank Oz. Our IMDb summary is a nerdy florist finds his chance for success and romance with the help of a giant man-eating plant who demands to be fed. That's true. That is true. I think they've they've missed a huge plot point yeah. in that what the giant plant wants to be fed is blood. It ain't I guess plant it says food. man-eating plant, but oh, yeah. still. I guess it does. But still. Um, so this is like an all-time classic. I think in the world and also in my heart. Yeah. And we had we I watched it when I was a kid. We had the record, which I still have, the mm-hmm. like vinyl record. Yeah. Um and I had never seen the director's cut before today. We we purchased it 
I purchased it maybe a year or two ago, mm-hmm. like being excited about watching the director's cut, and I just never watched it. Yeah. I um, Little Shop of Horrors is probably in my top ten musicals, for, for sure. Not probably. Possibly top five. Um, but I had never watched the movie all the way through. Mm. I'd seen lots of clips and bits and songs yeah. and stuff from the movie, but I've never sat down and watched the movie. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty excited to watch it. Yeah. And um, so Little Shop of Horrors, if you don't know, mm. just set the table. Yeah. It's an it's a adaptation of like a 1960s horror movie by Roger Corman. It was like a, one of those very cheap horror movies. I know it's public domain because I've worked at enough film distribution websites <laughs> that to know that we had it because it was free. <laughs> um, Little Shop of the original Little Shop of Horrors. Is it called Little Shop of Horrors? Yep. Ah. And it's about this and whatever. But what they did in the 80s is they is Alan Menken, Howard Ashman. Yeah, 1982. It was off off Broadway. Yeah. So May of 1982, it opened off off Broadway and but by July of 1982 it was on Broadway. It was at the Orpheum. Oh, okay. Um and then at the time and then I think it ran for 5 years and when it closed it was the longest running off Broadway show. Um and it's just, I mean, the show is amazing. And fun fact, so Audrey is played by Ellen Green in the film. She also originated the role off off Broadway and transferred it with it to Broadway and played her in the West End. So And did it at City Center a couple years yes, ago with Yes, when Dick they did Jonah a revival. Hall. Like oh. literally this it's the perfect example of of not of not Broadway not being able to cast against type. Yeah. Like literally, if you are not skinny and blonde with a high pitched whine to your voice, you are not going to play Audrey. Right. And they were just <laughs> going to have her do it. Uh, yeah. But every time, you know, when they have her do it a couple years ago, it was like, oh, the icon. Oh, yeah. Back. yeah, yeah it yeah. wasn't like, but if you look at, this is just making it about me, mm-hmm. but if you look at pictures of that Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, oh, yeah. center version, <laughs> like I, I, I'm not saying I look like Jake Chill. <laughs> I'm saying in order to play the biggest nerd in the universe, <laughs> he looks exactly like me. Like, he has a beard. He has my glasses. He has my hair. Like, and I'm saying he looks exactly like me in, like, the blurry bootleg photos from far away. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's me on yeah. stage. So in order to play the biggest nerd he could think of, they were like, we know. We know. Dress we'll, up like this guy. Yeah, exactly. Here's, um, anyway. Little Shop of Horrors. So we're big fans. It's also the last musical we saw before the pandemic. It is we do with enjoy, Jonathan Groff. We do enjoy going to Broadway shows <laughs> when we can. Yes. And this was the last one we saw. It was Jonathan Groff. Um, it, Jonathan Borle? No. Christian Borle. Christian Borle. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's also the last show... Musical that I performed in. Oh yeah, that's right. And then I was like, I gotta take a break from theater. <laughs> um, you were one of the urchins. I was. I was chiffon. Chiffon, which is like yeah. a real. It was a real dream. They're um, the. They're like the Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, this like uh, Phil Spectorish kind of girl group. Yeah, very Ronettes. Yeah. like just. Well, it's, they're named Ronette, Cri- Crystal, Crystal and, and Chiffon. chiffon. So yeah. the Ronettes, the Crystals, the Chiffon. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and they're, it's just a great, yeah, exactly, Greek chorus part, and it's really, really fun. Um, 
who else have we got in this movie? We've got Rick Moranis as Seymour. Rick fucking Moranis. Which is just like the most perfect thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's so good. It's such a like man meeting the moment role. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like there's Fully. no one like it's just it's incredible. And he's incredible. He's in so it. so good. Um, He's like it's just, he, this is this is. Like, I'm just so uh, over the moon for Rick Moranis in this movie. <laughs> I love it. I'm um, you've got Steve Martin as the dentist. Yeah. Which is an amazing part. Mm-hmm. Amazing role. And he is so over the top and perfect. Um, yeah. And it's very silly. And he just like, I mean, you know him. He just goes for it. Uh, yeah. And it's really, really great. Um, who else is in it? Bill Murray is in it? Well, the Bill Murray part in this part that's like not at all in the musical. It's this weird. Like it feels like it feels like they were shooting, and Bill Murray sh- like they were shooting that d- day, and Bill Murray showed up and he's like, "Guys, do you have anything uh, for me to do?" I and bet, they were like, "Yeah, just go in there and improv," and I, that's what happened. I bet that's very close to the truth. I bet also <laughs> they were like filming it, and they were like, "This is ninety minutes. We need this is like eighty-seven minutes. We need like three more minutes." Yeah, and they were like, "Let's have Bill Murray go in and be because he doesn't have a song. No, his role doesn't really. It feels like padding. It's the best kind of padding because mm-hmm. you're just like, this is hilarious. Yeah, but but it also works in the story because so he goes so. Steve Martin plays the dentist, and and the whole thing with the dentist is he's, like, very, like, masochistic. He became a dentist because he liked uh, shooting puppy dogs in the head. He sings a whole whole song about it. Um, And he, so he enjoys inflicting pain on people, and that's the, like, joke. Uh, And then Bill Murray shows up and likes the pain. Yeah. Bill Murray, yeah, 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 exactly. So he, the dentist, gets no satisfaction from it, and then he comes out, and Seymour is there, and he yanks him in to inflict some pain. And it's a, I mean, we have a lot that we still have to talk about with this movie, but that (laughs) is a weird, that is a very funny scene. Yeah, it's so so funny. It's it's really funny, and it's really like. They fucking go for it. It's weird. Yeah. It's like he's having, uh, he's deriving sexual pleasure from being tortured with dental instruments. Yeah. In that scene. And there's no two ways about it. No, it's (laughs) great. It's so Um, great. So the premise is uh, Rick Moranis plays Seymour, who works in a flower shop. Um, He On Skid Row. On Skid Row in New York. And he... Uh, brings in a strange and unusual plant that he purchased, which is which is a uh, flytrap style thing, and then he discovers that in order to grow, uh, it needs blood. So he starts feeding it blood, and then slowly starts feeding it like uh, his the the object of his affections, abusive boyfriend, and then yes. his boss, and then and so he becomes a monster himself by committing these murders. And then uh, the monster grows, and it's, yeah, a, the, it's plant. A, it's a plant. the plant who is voiced by Levi Stubbs of yeah. the Four Tops. Yes, right. So like Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that kind of thing. So it's it's very it's yeah it's great. Obviously, <laughs> um, so something I want to say. So obviously, like in every production. So first of all. I'm not going to be able to watch this movie without comparing it to the stage show. Like, that's just it. Um, although I th- did think, do think I did a pretty good job of actually watching the movie. But. Um, you did. You, 
the thing, obviously one of the big things about tackling the show is the plant. You need to have a plant that starts out in a pot, in a handheld pot that he holds, and that grows to essentially half the size of the stage. Um, and so it, I was excited to see how they did it in the film. And I'm happy to report that they did an amazing job because it's Incredible. a puppet yeah and that's what it's supposed to be and you know obviously this was made in 1986 so like the cgi capabilities were slightly less than they are now <laughs> but uh if the, if this was made if they were like we're gonna do a little shop of horrors right, right now it would fully be a cgi insanity totally and, um which they were they they like at the like before the pandemic they were about to shoot it really and it's been postponed but it was um oh I don't think I knew that Taryn Edgerton okay who yeah is Elton John as Seymour and Scarlett yeah. Johansson oh. as um, <laughs> as Audrey I mean and, I love that. but she's fine yeah but Billy Porter as the plant yeah and you're gonna you're gonna oh no the dentist you're gonna freak out oh no Chris Evans. <gasps> <laughs> but it has been postponed indefinitely because oh, of the pandemic. That so, sucks. Um, anyway, but yeah, so the plant looks incredible. It does in look this incredible. Film. It looks. I mean, everything. The puppetry, guys. I loved this. In case you're wondering, yeah. the puppetry, the sets, the costumes. Yeah, everything was so. Pr- it is. It is a an almost perfect translation of a show to a film. Like, yeah. it truly is. What? Yes, I fully agree. And, like, watching it, so watching the beginning, the Skid Row song, which mm-hmm. I love, like, makes me want to, like, it's, like, the best, like, introduction Downtown. I want song or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know, is it an I want song? I don't know. It's not an I want song, but it's, okay. like, a... Um, because the part where he goes like, oh no, I guess it could be an I. The part want where song. he's like, I want to get out of skid, like, she should like, be swell to get, get out of here. Yeah, that part. Sorry, like, there's gonna be a lot of singing, you guys. That part makes me emotional. Yeah. Um, especially Rick Moranis doing I it. I know. But anyway, um, so that scene, that thing, I was like so amazed watching it because that the whole movie, Frank Oz directed it. Mm-hmm. Yoda himself. Yoda. And he directs it with such precision, by which I mean, like, it feels like everything is planned. Everything is, like, uh, planned and executed perfectly Mm -hmm. in such a way that it feels like a big, lavish movie musical. But it's not like there's a bunch of huge tap dancing numbers or... Anything like that. It's not, I'm, it, it, it's just unlike anything in that way. And the sets and the puppets and there's a, there's the part where all the, um, uh, residents of Skid Row are, are like each have a line Mm -hmm. and they each get their own like shot where they step in and the shot is askew and it's, Mm -hmm. it's directed and it's edited really well. Like it's just directed and edited perfectly. The, the cinema of it is great, is yeah. what I mean. Not just the, like, musical, the performances, the sets, all that stuff, mm-hmm. but the actual cinema of it yeah. is so good. And it feels very true to the musical yeah. itself without without being trapped by it. Right. Um, it's just... 
Wonderful. There's no scene <laughs> in this movie where a bunch of people are dancing and singing or, or just singing mm-hmm. and they set up a couple cameras and then figured out later how to edit it together. Yeah. Every shot in this thing is planned, is like storyboarded out, planned, and you and it and is planned to effectively convey what's happening emotionally. <laughs> so, yeah, it sounds so basic. I'm just describing what movies well, are supposed no. to be, but well, like, yeah, but exactly because not... it's there are so few translations of stage to screen that work. Yeah, and this is definitely one that works. And I am I'm honestly a bit floored because. I don't think a lot of people talk about it. Right. When you talk about movie musicals. Right. And it's it's almost perfect. Yeah. What I watch now. We watch the director's cut. Maybe we'll right. save this for a couple minutes uh, down the road here. But <laughs> what I saw was near perfect. Um, we've got an amazing uh, appearance by Christopher Guest. Yes. There is. So, I mean, and that's oh the, my God, that's the thing. So, so hard. hard. So that's the thing. The show itself, like musicals in general, can be camp, right? They're, it's kind of in their bones, right? Little Shop of Horrors, if you're doing it right, is camp turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't shy away from that at all. And this this scene that Christopher Guest, the character that Christopher yeah. Guest does, oh is exactly... is. Is exactly like what camp is. Yeah. And they did not try and pretend like it wasn't. Yeah. And it was so perfect. So the 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 scene is like, um, Seymour has this plant, this unusual plant, and the flower shop is failing, and Mr. Mushnick is, I'm gonna close down. And Audrey and Seymour are like, But what if we put this interesting plant in the window? It might draw people in. And they put the plant down in the window, and this guy walks in and goes, I've just noticed that really interesting plant in the window. Yeah. And then he buys flowers. And it's li- like lines like that where it's just like, wow, what a strange and unusual plant. Yeah. And it's just, it's, he's so good. He's it's so, so funny. funny. And it, it, they lead directly into this transformation of the shop becoming popular. Mm-hmm. And it's just so good. Yeah. And he's so incredible. It's the I second. Love it. <laughs> it's the second movie I've watched in like three days, uh-huh. where Christopher Guest walks in and says like one or two lines and is hilarious. Because <laughs> I watched this movie on on Criterion called The Hot Rock, which is a heist movie starring Robert Redford and George Siegel, and was so good. Uh-huh. It was like I'd never heard of this movie, and I watched it, and it was incredible. But Christopher Guest has like one line as a cop, and he walks into an office, and I'm and like. It, I can't, it's just the delivery of this line. Like the, the people are throwing bombs in the street and he says like, there's bombs in the street and that's not funny. But the way he says it is so <laughs> funny and it was so funny that that happened. And then three days later, I watched another movie where Christopher Guest just walks in and just owns the scene. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Yeah. Speaking of owning the scene and, and owning this bit part, John Candy. John Candy's great. Yeah, he, there's there's a scene where Seymour is on the radio and it's a radio host and it's the start of the real like boost to fame for yeah. Seymour, and uh, he's just the radio host and he's just yeah. doing the most. He's just like, and it's, it's weird. great. It's weird. It's so funny. It's, it's just so great. He's he's amazing. <laughs> he's incredible. Yeah. Gone too soon. I'll Gone say it. Gone too soon. Um, so. Uh, so many good songs. Skid Row, Grow For Me, 
Suddenly Seymour is not your favorite. Okay, we gotta talk about Suddenly Seymour, you guys. No, it's not Suddenly Seymour. Somewhere that's green. Somewhere that's green. Somewhere that's green. Uh, so Little Shop of Horrors, as I've said, probably in my top five musicals. Somewhere that's green is maybe my hatiest song in all of musical theater. <laughs> and why? But I listen. I don't. I don't know. I don't. She's truly holding her know. face. I am because because I because I was like okay. Like, let's be objective. Let's watch this. And I, I just... Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. But what I'm going to say is that Ellen Green is a treasure yeah, of a human. 100%. And her performance in this movie, and specifically in Somewhere That's Green is perfection. She is the perfect balance of musical theater, cheesy, I'm singing the most ridiculous things ever, and also full vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like, it made me want to cry, and I hate this song. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's so well done. And she's great. Yeah. She's great. She's so great. Um <laughs> Shout also, out. somewhere that's green is literally just a part of your world from yeah, Little Mermaid. It really is, um, <laughs> by the same people. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the puppetry, as we said. Yes. Amazing puppetry throughout. Right. You've got and, vines acting as limbs. And yeah. The it, way I don't know how they did most of it. The inside of Audrey 2's mouth Ooh. is like a one hundred was crazy. The POV shot from inside a mouth while the <laughs> dentist is working yeah. is disgusting. Oh man, it's so good. Um, sh- so let's talk about the director's cut. Let's talk about it because okay, yeah. So so first of all. They cut a bunch of songs from the musical for the movie. Right. Which both, is fine. Both theatrical and director's cut. Yes. Which is totally fine. I do not object to cutting songs in and of itself if it makes the flow of the movie happen. It's a little strange to me because there's a real lull in musicality because you've got Feed Me all the way to Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. With no songs in yeah. between, which is a little... Like, there's a moment where you realize, huh, there hasn't been a song in a little while. Right. And then suddenly Seymour happens. And it's like, you want to avoid that, I think, if you're doing a musical. But, um, so... The what we watched was very close to how it happens on stage. How it happens on stage is spoiler alert for Little Shop of Horrors, everybody. Um, you see it; it's one of the best movies of all time. <laughs> yes. So what happens on stage is uh, the plant tricks Audrey um, and goes to eat her, and Seymour comes in and yanks her out, but she's dying, uh, and she says, "When I die in a minute." feed me to the plant because then I'll be with you forever. And it's very beautiful. And he does feed her to the plant and then he's very upset and the plant is making fun of him. And so he tries to shoot the plant with a gun. It doesn't work. He picks up an ax and he says like in there you're vulnerable. And he jumps into the plant to destroy the plant from the inside, but the plant just eats him. And then the sleazeball guy who was trying to get cuttings of the plant comes in, takes cuttings of the plant and they start selling the plant, and then Audrey Two's take over the world. Right. Um, and the finale is uh, don't feed the plants, and it's 
one of my favorite finales. Yes. <laughs> like, it truly is. It's the end of the world. Yes. And it's just great. Audrey 2 wins. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens in the director's cut. And this scene where the plants take over the world is like... Eight minutes long. Yeah. It's the it looks incredible. It's so good. Just like these puppets climbing up the Statue of Liberty. Yep. It's so good. It's so good. Blowing things up. The army goes after them. Like right. it's I was like, this is insane. Yeah. And then you said, This is the director's cut. This does not happen in the theatrical version. No. So, like you said, the director's cut is this. I mean, I was I was floored. Because <laughs> usually you you pop in a director's cut. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of like Alien Three or or <laughs> something like that, where it's like, oh, we added back some stuff. It's longer, whatever. Yeah. Like director's cuts are usually like, here are the scenes that I didn't want to cut, but I had to cut for time. Right, right. With Alien Three is a different story, but they just it's like Alien Three specifically. They don't have all the stuff that they shot, and it's like it's it's. It's a mess, is what I'm saying. Okay. Usually it's like a mess. Okay. And sometimes it's like not a mess, but it's whatever. This is like, oh, this is the best yeah. thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. This, I, I, I was not, I don't think we talk enough as a culture. I don't think it was hyped enough when it came out. <laughs> like this, this movie should have been re-released in theaters. There should have been a like truth and reconciliation committee about what happened. I mean, and we were four, so. Why, no, not when the director's cut came out. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. When the director's cut came, came out, they should have been like, they should have put the people who who cut this ending in prison. In prison. There's a, uh, I'm sorry, I just forgot to say, there's an original song at the end of it. Yeah. Mean Green something. Mother from Outer Space. There you go. That is in the theatrical cut. Oh, okay, okay. So, in the, so... In it's the, very clearly the the song for the Oscars. <laughs> in the theatrical cut, okay, I'm gonna read this. Mm. Seem so uh, so essentially. Sorry, backstory is they show this cut to audiences where Audrey wins and destroys the city and destroys the world mm-hmm. and eats both Seymour and, and Audrey. Audrey. Yeah, and audiences didn't like it, and mm-hmm. so they reshot it a happy ending. Mm-hmm. So in the original theatrical cut, Seymour uh, returns in time to save Audrey. Um, he's approached by an executive. Seymour's offered a contract to breed Audrey too, and sell the saplings worldwide. He's horrified by the idea. He drives the salesman away and realizes he must destroy Audrey too for the sake of humanity. He returns to the shop. This is where Mean Green Mother from Outer Space happens. Audrey too traps Seymour and destroys the shop, but he grabs an exposed electrical cable and electric... Oh, uh, Seymour grabs an exposed electrical cable and electrocutes Audrey 2, resulting in an explosion. Leaving the shop destroyed, Seymour safely reunites with Audrey to wed and move to the suburbs. As they arrive at their new home, a smiling Audrey 2 bud can be seen among the flowers in her front yard, signifying all may not be as it seems. That is such a cop-out. Yeah. It's such bullshit. That is bullshit. Especially when you see the fucking director's cut, which is... Incredible. The amount of craft and like puppetry (laughs) and like money and Mm -hmm. all this stuff that went into this ending that is the a this amazing song don't be the plants be this sequence where they destroy an entire city and it's multiple audrey twos and they're moving around you are not prepared like i know people think they know what this is going to be you are not prepared for how great this ending is you're really not it's so much it's like 
it's so good. I cannot believe someone was like <laughs> was like gave in to audiences being like, I don't like right. on an endo. What? Get out of here. Get well, out. and what's funny is that I think I could be wrong, but I think there's a weird um optional line. So sometimes musicals so okay, when you when you when you buy the rights to put on a musical, you have to put it on as it's written. Period. You cannot make cuts unless you get special permission. Blah blah blah. Lots of people do, but you're not supposed to. Whatever. Sometimes though, there are alternate things that you can do. Stuff that has come up over the years that um, composers and lyricists have said this is fine. And I think for the finale of Little Shop, so uh, it goes. But whatever they offer you, whatever they offer you, don't feed the plants. And then don't feed the plants. Right? But there's right. an optional line in between those two where Audrey and Seymour go, we'll have tomorrow. And so that's supposed to fix it and, and make people feel like, oh, maybe they're not actually dead. Because, again, in the stage version... No. Like everyone that the plant has eaten comes out and sings because it's a musical. Because it's a musical, yeah. Right. Not because they're alive. Right. But I think that you have that optional line in there that you can do in case you think people will be mad that everyone's dead. And okay. So, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. It's called Little Shop of Horrors, people. It doesn't have a happy ending. Right. They're not real people. It's a man eating plant. Right. From space. Yes. Um, so I I cannot if you if you haven't seen the directors if you're a Little Shop fan and you haven't seen the director's cut I cannot recommend it enough. It's definitely the be- the biggest like upgrade I've ever seen in director's cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, oh Zodiac is the one I'm thinking of where I love Zodiac so much mm-hmm. and the director's cut is pretty good too. It's just longer <laughs> and there's more scenes in it. Yeah. And it's like yeah great this doesn't really yeah sure change anything yeah but i like seeing these extra scenes (laughs) this one is like oh this changes the entire movie yeah just by changing the ending and is so much better right like i'm i'm livid yeah (laughs) well it's also kind of funny that people objected to um seymour dying at the end because seymour spends the musical killing people and feeding them to a plant right (laughs) he should maybe not be alive right <laughs> i mean you know what i mean like it's just like it's not totally. like and you know obviously the character is played in such a way that you feel bad for him but and you're right, on his and, side and yeah. and all the whole point is that like the plant convinces him that the the people he's killing uh deserve to die i'm putting quotey fingers up that's a line from one of the songs um because they're bad people right uh, but it's funny but yeah. because they make they make such a big deal about what a bad person the dentist is uh-huh. the first person he kills yeah. and then he and then the next person he kills is Mr. Mushnick, who's like, you know, not a not the best guy, but someone you've grown to like, especially in the in the stage show where yeah. he has like more to do. Well, but in the stage show, it's he is portrayed as more of a monster than oh, he okay. was in the film. Gotcha. There's a lot more of like um, abuse of Seymour. It's Exploiting much more, him. yeah, much more focused on abuse and exploitation of Seymour for money than it is in the film. Yeah, in the film, it's very like. This is just a nice uh, old okay. man. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, I, I just, I was not, yeah, oh, something, oh, 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 <laughs> hey, Mayor. Um, <laughs> uh, something we didn't talk about is that we, 
I bought this mm-hmm. thinking, because we listen to it a lot with yeah. our eight-year-old. Yeah. And it's like, she loves the music. It's really fun, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I bought this, I think, thinking like, oh, we'll watch it with her someday. <laughs> yeah. But we're not going to watch it with her. We can't watch she it She has like orthodontist stuff going on. <laughs> I'm not going to show her this movie with this, like, sadist dentist who's torturing people. Especially the one guy he's torturing is having, like, orgasms while he's torturing him. (laughs) Like, we're not... And it's it's such a shame because it's such a good movie. And I'm not... She'll see it eventually. She will. And I'm not actually mad at the movie. It's it's a perfect movie. It's just such a funny thing where I'm like, oh, we can't show her this. No, we really can't. We truly can't. Um, Okay. Oh, you know what? We we forgot to talk about uh, History of Violence. Uh, let's talk about it now. Is it available streaming? Are they available streaming, these films? Let me find my doc. I'm so sorry. <laughs> History of Violence is on Hoopla and Tubi. Wow. In this economy, <laughs> Hoopla and Tubi. Hoopla and Tubi. Spelled with an I. Yeah. I don't know what those are. I think we've talked about them before. One yeah. of them, I think, is like a live TV thing, and one of them is a library thing. I don't yeah, know. doesn't matter. Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. is on HBO Max, but not the director's cut. Ooh. So, worse than nothing, I would say. <laughs> Fuck that theatrical cut. Um, so, yeah. All right. Should we do the uh, Joe Garden Memorial? Point system. We have to do it. We have to do it. This is where we rate each movie, even though I think we know where we're at. <laughs> First, rate each movie on a scale between 1 and 20. I am going to give History of Violence a 14. Okay. I'm going to give Little Shop of Horrors a 19. Wow. I am going to give History of Violence a 12. Okay. And I'm giving... Little shop. A 20. Wow. Giving it a 20. Wow. Doing it. Going for it. A perfect 20. Add or subtract points based on these criteria. Criterion collection plus one point. Nope. nope. Part of a series you own others of. Plus no. two points. No. Part of a box set. Plus five points. No. Nope. Lady director. Plus eight points. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> available streaming. Streaming. Minus one point for every platform it's available on. So minus two for History of Violence. Mm-hmm. And minus uh, one for Little Shop. Has the director been canceled? Minus four points. As far as I know, Frank Oz and David Cronenberg are still... In uh, good standing. In good standing. We love them. Does it star James Woods or John Voight? No. No. Minus six points. No. David Cronenberg has worked with James Woods before. John Woods. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Nostalgia points. One to five. This is from Anna. Uh, I will say five points for Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. And I will say no points for History of Violence. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a lot of nostalgia from my childhood. I don't know if I can give any nostalgia points, because I've, I've never watched Little Shop right the way through. Much as I want to. Mm-hmm. I've never... Great, so yeah, none So none I don't either. think I can give out any nostalgia points. Gag reel points. Five points for a gag reel, seven points for a good gag reel. Nope. Nope. All right. Where are we at? Doing the tally. You have given History history of Violence a 12, Mm -hmm. and I have given it a 10. And you have given Little Shop of Horrors 23, and I have given it 19. Well, we're definitely keeping Little Shop of Horrors. We are absolutely keeping Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, 
I think I personally can let go of history of violence. I don't feel any kind of attachment. I don't, I don't, because at this point it's like, okay, well, well, why would we keep, why would I fight to keep it? And it's like, well, because I want to watch it again or I want to watch it with the kids or because. (laughs) history of violence with the kids. Right, exactly. So nothing is hitting for me where it's like, yeah, but I might want to blah, blah, blah with history of violence. So I got to turn that over to you. Um, do I care enough? Right, exactly. Because I don't, I don't care enough to be like, no, we're getting rid of it. I like it. I like having a little David Cronenberg collection. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. But should we have a greatest hits? Is this a greatest hit? It is. A, it's probably his top grossing movie. That's probably. not what I asked you, is it? <sighs> what do I want to do here? I guess we can get rid of History of Violence. We can get rid of it. You feel okay about that? Yeah, I feel okay. I hadn't watched it, like, probably in 10 or 15 years. Right. I didn't, I wasn't like, I fucking love this. Right. I was just like, this is, a, this is, yeah. Yeah. This is what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, History of Violence. You're an okay movie. <laughs> I, good. You're good. You're good. Don't. <laughs> You're a good movie. Don't take this personally. You got a raw deal. Uh, I mean, you couldn't stand up to the competition. No, you definitely You really couldn't stand up to that director's cut. Okay, let's pick this next matchup. Are you ready? Ready. Hey, Siri. Mm Mm-hmm. Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 808. 808, 808's and Heartbreak, is 2004, Mean Girls. That's so fetch. (laughs) You can, uh, I will, you can keep trying to make fetch happen, that's fine. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Ooh, it's been so long since I've watched Mean Girls. I'm sure it's. Got some problems. Can't wait. <laughs> okay. Let's see what's going up against it. Hey, Siri. Uh-huh. Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 1,244. 1,244 is from 1999. Varsity Blues. <gasps> I don't want your life. <laughs> Yes! Yo! 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 <laughs> Varsity Blues. That's great. That is great. I love that. Um, what a matchup. What a matchup. Again, weirdly thematic. High school films. Yeah, that's true. Mean Girls and Varsity Blues. Right. High school's in different times, though. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. And they both have uh, whipped cream bikinis in them. Oh, no, wait, that's just one of them. <laughs> I was like, wait, does Mean Girls have a whipped cream bikini? I don't think it does. No. Um, <laughs> well, great. Uh, can't wait to watch both of those. That'll be fun. Neither can I. <laughs> can't wait. <laughs> Gonna be fun. Isn't this exactly what you wanted to do on your hiatus, is watch Mean Girls and Varsity Blues? Back to back. 
Have hopefully. you seen Varsity Blues? Yeah, we watched it at some point. Oh, all right, fine. I mean, I don't remember it. Okay. I remember I Don't Want Your Life. I don't and I want remember your life. Whipped Cream Bikini, and that's what I remember. <laughs> I mean, those are the important parts. Right. What I know is that James Vanderbeek mm-hmm. does not want someone's life. He doesn't want his life. Probably his father? <laughs> Probably not saying that to, like, his friend? <laughs> You nailed it. You really did. Great. You truly did. Y'all, thank you so much for listening, especially if you got this far. We're DVD Deathmatch in all of the places. We got the Instagram. We got the Twitter. We got the Gmail. We got the Wide web. And I hope that you watch the director's cut of Little Shop of Horrors because it's fucking brilliant. Unbelievable. It's great. All right, come back next week and see who survives DVD Deathmatch. That's it. And that's a very kind of what you were saying. Pause. Have to sneeze. It's not going to come. Bless. Sorry. That was, I'm sorry. That's okay. You're in my bubble. I can sneeze on you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry.